Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Deconstructionist Podcast is produced by Nicholas Rowe at the National Audio Preservation Society Recording Studio in Newark, Ohio. Follow us on social media at www.thedeconstructionist.com, on Facebook at Deconstructionist Podcast, Twitter at Deconstructcast, and Instagram at Deconstructionist Podcast. If listening to this podcast has benefited you in any way, or if you have connected with it, or it's resonated somewhere with you, please consider making a donation. Even the smallest donations go to help John and I maintain healthy relationships with our wives and keeps their blood pressure at a healthy level. The donate link is in the show notes, or you can visit our website and click the donate tab. All right, welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Adam Narlock. And I am John Williamson. And today, you get to hang with John and I a little bit, because we have some things we need to talk about. We've uh, we've gotten some feedback, you know, some confusion, I think, out there that we need to uh, take care of. We knew this was going to happen. Yeah. In we have fact- a productive, pr- provocative name. Yes. And uh, it it tends to lead to a little confusion now and again. Yeah. So the title of this episode is The Reconstruction. And really, I mean, I'd just like to lead off by kind of saying that we knew that that was going to be necessary. 
Yeah. Uh, something that I think we've kind of joked about the entire time is, you know, we wanted this podcast to be called the Deconstructionists Reconstructionists podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's just iTunes wouldn't allow it. Uh, my marketing brain wouldn't allow it. It's too long. It's too long. <laughs> but it is necessary. Yeah. Okay. And we'll we'll get into this a little a little bit deeper, but depending on who you talk to, um, and a lot of the philosopher friends that we have out there, um, would make the argument that reconstruction is part of deconstruction, and we'll get into that today. So we'll ex- we'll explain what we mean by that. But we call ourselves the deconstructionists, right? And that leaves us open to misunderstanding. Yes. Because okay, let's start with this. Which John, we kind of enjoy. <laughs> John, I want to ask you a question. Go for it. What do you think most people believe we mean when we say we are the deconstructionists? I think they think that we're probably a couple crazy kids who um, don't really believe in much, and we are all about just lighting the entire structure on fire. So like a youthful anarchist listening to a lot of punk music. Yeah, just burn that mother down. And, you know, like, yeah. You know, like spray painting stuff and just knocking it all down. Yeah, anti Reagan shirts. You know, (laughs) wait, is that an old reference? (laughs) (laughs) Because okay, when I, if you were to ask me the same question, like, what do I think people mean when they consider our title Mm -hmm. deconstructionists? I think it's the same thing, but at the same time, I think there's this, there's this angst within both the church and within like what we'll call like the spiritual, they're called the nons. All the research shows that there's this incredible uh, just rise of this class of young people, millennials, whatever you want to call them that are just disassociating. Yeah. I mean, completely disassociating. And within that class of people, this word they take this word deconstruction and they go, yeah, yeah, my life isn't the way I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, what my parents gave me isn't working. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. No, I'm not an atheist, but I'm not Christian or Buddhist or I get it. Yeah. I get it. You know, the problem I have also with that is um, I think that people in general have, at least the older generations anyway, have this this false idea of the millennials or even the generation slightly before them where they see them as kind of this seeking but never finding the these almost like new wave new age hippies mm. you know where they're like well i'm spiritual but i'm not religious you know like, like gypsies yeah like, like vagabonds non-committal yeah you know and, and, and you know kind of you know uninformed but at least in in our experience i would say that the people that that we've talked to that we've spoken with are anything but that there are people who are hungry that are intelligent that are well informed well read who are digging into anything that they can find they're just looking for a third option because mm. the only options they've been presented with are either, you know, this, as you said, um, this, this inherited spirituality that just right. doesn't work right. anymore. Right. Right. Or nothing. Right. And I don't, and obviously they're not ready to commit to, to nothing. 
at this point. They're right. spiritually curious for a reason. Oh, that's a great that's a great phrase. Um, spiritually curious. Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, it's almost um, a spiritual agnosticism. Yeah. Where it's like not like the pure agnosticism where they're. The, it, Pure agnosticism is sort of a refusal to ever commit to any sort of knowledge. Right. Right? I mean, nobody's really purely agnostic. Right. Ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that's not downgrading anybody that claims a sort of agnosticism because you you get to define that if that's you, and that's fine. Um, sort of like, you know, there's there's no pure atheist because to, to be a pure atheist is to have omniscience and to know for, for certain, A, what God is, and B, that God isn't. Okay, some of these new atheists try to go there, but there is this huge (laughs) constituency of others, the Mm -hmm. nons, the nuns, these millennials, the spiritually curious, the spiritually agnostic, the I don't freaking know, quit trying to put a name on me. Right. I think that's who we're speaking to. I think you're right. And I think that there's more and more and more of them. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, and you brought up a good point before we started recording, and and I hate when we do that. <laughs> I love it. I love it's that like, you even remember it. Yeah, I'm just like, rambling. Oh man, we just we just wasted that. <laughs> it's like it's like when crappy DJs are always like, wait, wait, save it, save wait, it for on air. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, but the, I, I think you made a really cool point, uh, a really interesting point about a couple of uh, you know people that we look up to who are kind of. Um, I don't know, recently kind of almost against this term deconstruction without, but, but they're almost speaking entirely about deconstruction, but just using different terminology. Oh man. It's like, I don't yes. care what you call it, man. Yes. You can call it emergent Christianity, uh, fresh expressions, uh, you know, reformation, um, you know, your, your, your journey, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like we're talking about the same thing, right? Can I, can I read you a quote from my journal? I had to just pull, pull, Please. Yeah, pull Are my these going to be the inner thoughts of well, Adam Narlock? I haven't done this before. Are those striper lyrics? This was not planned. (laughs) But (laughs) (laughs) that'll make sense to everybody way later. We're not unpacking that for you. No. (laughs) So based on what you just said, so this is a thought that I had and I had to like like rip my journal out and grab my my sweet pen and, and write this down because I was like, you know what? I think a lot about what we do on a regular basis here, John, and I don't want to be misunderstood, but I'm fine with being misunderstood. I'm totally fine with it. I really don't care about being clear. It's not about being clear. You and Kierkegaard, man. Yeah, oh, God, I love him. <laughs> Dude, he really, he really is like my... Your spirit animal? Yeah, my spirit animal. <laughs> but like, okay, so here's a quote out of my journal that like, this is what hit me as I was reading this atheist um, philosopher, Luke Ferry. And I'm thinking about this project that you and I are on here, man. And here it is, quote. We don't need to dismantle orthodoxy. We need to introduce it to the dance partners of mystery, negative theology, and imagination. And I think that's what I'm trying to do here. Like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to rip everything apart and say that there's no place for orthodoxy. Yeah. I'll be honest. Who decides what is orthodox? Right. I just kind of want to forget about all that right now because that sounds great. Yeah. But if you really start pulling that apart, all you have is a lot of opinions and a lot of human beings trying to hang on to control. And I think that needs to be challenged. 
And I think it's always been challenged. And if you read through the history of religion, there were always challenging voices. There were always these minor chords. There were always these dissenting choruses of people speaking against the people that thought they had it all figured out and patented and packaged and the approved message and the corporate line and all that kind of stuff. There was always people within the stream speaking against that. And I think that's kind of what you and I are embarking on. Yeah, I think it's funny because we keep coming back to the fact that, you know, especially when it comes to um, scripture, for example, like, you know, the Christian Bible, the only way we can talk about God is through metaphor because we're talking about something that we cannot grasp onto. Right. And so it's like, you know, we always say it's like this or it's like that because that's the closest we can possibly come. Yes. And uh, there's a great quote, and I cannot remember who said it, but uh, there's somebody who said, you know, as soon as we've figured out God, then we're clearly talking about something else. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. (laughs) So to get to the point here, guys, this is going to be an episode where we just start to talk around and that we're going to do this from time to time. We're going to start to talk around this idea of deconstruction. In this episode, I just want to start off by saying deconstruction is not, nor should it be, a negative. Deconstruction is not, nor should it be, a negative. Rather, it is an affirmative. It's an affirmative of mystery. It's an affirmative of something more than knowledge. It's an affirmative that there is more. Deconstruction is not a negative. Deconstruction asserts that the truth cannot be seized or possessed. Deconstruction asserts that the divine cannot be seized or possessed. Deconstruction is when new doors open and our spaces grow larger. We transcend, but as Richard Rohr would say, we also include. We move on, but as Richard Rohr would say, we don't disdain where we were. A lot of you listening need to hear that. You don't disdain where you were. You don't disdain the people that you associate with where you were. Or as Jacoputo would say, it's not a matter of becoming more of who you are now or becoming more of who you used to be. It is a becoming something new. It's a metanoia. It is a new creation. Yeah, and I think I think it's important to note that this is something we've mentioned in, I think it was our our first episode, the deconstruction episode, I think where we talk about it's important to have structure and rules early in life. All right. So as Richard Rohr would say, so that you at least have a goad to kick against, you know, structure is important as you develop. And, you know, I think you, what do you, what do you mean by a goad to kick against? I always think of that. I want to know what you think. Like what, when you think of a goad to kick against, like give it, give it the existential grid of like telling our listeners, like what you mean by that. I think, I think you don't truly know, what to question unless you have some rigorous, uh, rigid kind of structure in place beforehand. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think, I think what he means is that you, you start out with this, this intense rigid structure. And then when you're a little bit more developed later in life, then you, you have the, the development, uh, mentally spiritually to kind of start picking things away that Mm. you don't necessarily need you kind of kick the training wheels off Mm. the bike Mm -hmm. and uh that's that's kind of always the way i've looked at it Mm -hmm. i don't know it's kind of that kind of that old adage of um first you need to learn all the rules so that you can learn how to break them exactly gotcha 
So, I mean, we can even look at, at um, and I think maybe either you or Jason may have mentioned this in a previous episode. But I miss that guy. I know. We're going to get him back. But going back to my thought, I think scientific studies show that the human brain isn't fully developed until the mid-20s, or some even argue, you know, some scientists even argue the early 30s. In my case, it was at least the early 30s. Mine's still developing, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but uh, specifically the area of the prefrontal cortex in your brain. So what that part of the brain uh you know, does for you essentially is it's responsible for things like complex planning, decision making, mm. impulse control. Uh, we all know that's a big one, especially for teenagers. Oh Lord, risk management, personality development, and so on. And so, this is the reason that we don't teach our kids about complex interpretations of scripture, just the same as we don't start them out with calculus. You know, dude, you got to start with addition and yep. you know subtraction. And or division. like, what about chaos? Oh my gosh, like chaos theory. So Catherine Keller is somebody that we should definitely try to interview on this show. If you don't know who Catherine Keller is and you're an experimental spiritualist, you definitely need to check her out. Um, she essentially likens chaos theory and cosmology. She uses this term chaosmology, where there is a tension between total chaos and total order. And out of the tension between total chaos and total order emerges all new creation. It's bizarre. <laughs> Nobody understands it. Right. What we need more of is quit trying to find the goal. Quit trying to find the answer. This is not a plotted out course. We do not have the goal. We would have written the book by now. Trust right, me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Deconstruction is not just a negative. It is an affirmative. It is an affirmative that there is more, and we don't know what that is, but we are making room for it. Yes. And I think, I think the other important thing to note is that for a lot of you out there who find yourselves in what we would call deconstruction, a lot of people who are kind of fighting against that urge to, to ask questions, to start to what we would call deconstruct, a lot of that is just human ego because the human ego prefers anything, totally, just about anything, as Richard Orr would say, to falling or changing or dying. It's the part of you that yes. loves the status quo, even when it's not working, and it attaches to past and present and fears the future. Mm. I think, I mean, when I read that the first time, it's when I first started my journey, and, I mean, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. And I think that's completely true. I think a lot of times, a lot of authors um, out there that, you know, especially a lot of people that we've been reading lately, talk again and again um, about the fact that outwardly we try to say, like, look, you know, we've got it all together. This is mm. what we believe. We join this community. Here it is. This is it. Yeah. But beware but, of that. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. We've got it figured out, you know. But deep down, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, we're already doubting. Mm. In in one regard or another, and that's all we're trying to say is like, look, like there's already a crack, there's already a leak right there. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to point it out, and and what we're trying to say is we're not tr trying to say like, hey, everybody's everybody's freaking out, everybody is is going through doubt and struggle. That's not what we're trying to say. What we're trying to say is it's already a part of the process. Mm -hmm. It's built into the mechanism. Yeah, it's it's not that we're trying to convince you to doubt. We just know you are already yeah. and so much of this certainty 
that is just rampant in our culture. You know, Peter Enns talks about the sin of certainty, and Greg Boyd talks about the benefit of the doubt and breaking the idolatry of certainty. Mm-hmm. This is not new. This is not new. This is something that has been going on f- since forever. In the Jewish tradition, the prophets. Read the prophets. They are dismantling people's concepts of God and religion. Dismantling. Actually, from Moses onward. When Moses encounters the burning bush, and he's like, who are you? God will not allow himself to be named. Because all of the gods back then could be named, and to name a god was to own a god. God didn't allow himself to be named. It became a part of the Jewish heritage. God could not be named. But then they finally start to make not just images, but temples, and there's a process, and they fall in love with the process, and they, they find idols within the revelation of God. And the prophets are always coming along saying, you are screwing this up. You've <laughs> got it wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. But then let, let's go outside the Christian tradition. Let's look at Socrates. All Socrates did was walk around and tell people they had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. So this, this tradition of doubting, this is not new. No. I mean, it's just, yeah. There's there's a book that uh, oddly enough my mother in law gave me. Just she read the title I think and was like, "This sounds like it might be might she, be good." She's a lovely lady. She is, and she could not have been more correct. Um, I'd never heard of the guy. His name's John Ortberg. Yeah, he's a good dude. And it's a book called Faith and Doubt. And he has a line in here where he's talking about um, the idea of certainty. He's like, "There's one road to certainty through a door marked death." <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, did he drop the mic after that? He should have just ended the Wait, book right say, there. Say on page thirty. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> we just bantered a little bit. Say that again. There is one road to certainty through a door marked death. What does that mean? Basically, the only way you're ever going to know for certain anything is once you die. That's it. So either you're going to die and nothing's going to happen, and so all the atheists are are correct, or you're going to die. Which doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, you're just going to go to sleep. That's it. Or you're going to die, and there's an afterlife, and we're going to find all the Lutherans were totally right, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, or you know, because I think the argument he's making in the, in the paragraph prior to that is, you know, he was raised uh, Baptist, and so the Baptists were raised Southern Baptists were raised to believe that some of the Lutherans would make it in with Martin Luther, mm. and and some of the Methodists would make it in. You know, and, and some of the Catholics would make it I in. Just, I'm getting sick right now just even hearing about this. Yeah. And so it's like, so there are all of these groups, subgroups Somebody out knows there. what in is. Right. I mean, like, what? They're convinced. Yeah. You oh, Okay, you know? Oh, you know. Right. Oh. Okay. So the point he's making is the only way any of us are truly going to know is once we die. So it, I just thought that was an interesting quote, but... Uh, one of the things Greg Boyd always, also talks about, you know, a few episodes back, is he talks about in his book "Benefit of the Doubt" the fact that, you know, there are multiple moments throughout Scripture you know, where there are mentions of the fact that uh, not only is it okay to doubt, but there are instances of doubt, mm-hmm. you know, throughout Isaiah and you know, and uh, um, you know, throughout the New Testament. Two thirds of the Psalms are dark. Yeah, two thirds. You know, I mean, full we, of questions. We have a disciple whose nickname was Doubting Thomas. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, Mother Teresa spent a decade mm. in the darkness of doubt. Yeah, wanted to get her letters burned. 
that she wrote during that time because she was afraid of what people would think. If you're listening to this right now and you are not the skeptic going, what are these guys all about? I want to figure out what... Listen, I want to talk to our dedicated listeners. I want to talk to the people that identify with a feeling of homelessness. They identify with a feeling of deconstruction that was thrust upon them that they couldn't help they it it wasn't a luxury for them if you're listening to this and deconstruction was not a luxury for you but it was something that you woke up and found yourself in i just want to talk to you for a second is deconstruction a negative here's the deal you begin this process of deconstruction the moment you begin to realize a few things. Number one, you, you begin to realize that there's this trauma that's happened to you. Something has happened to you. Somebody that you depended on has had a complete failing. The curtain has been torn and not in like a, yay, Jesus, it's Easter. The curtain's torn kind of a way. The curtain has been torn and your entire process, your entire structure, your entire reality now feels false. Congratulations, you're deconstructing. That's you. You can relate to that. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was your mom. Maybe it was your dad. Maybe there was an affair or a divorce or a betrayal or something like that. Sometimes deconstruction is just thrust upon you and you have to start asking questions. You don't have a choice. Maybe that's you. Maybe you woke up one day and by the grace of whatever, the grace of God, the grace of the divine, the grace of the universe, the grace of whatever, you realized that your own ego is operating within a ton of biases, that you are your own worst filter, that you are seeing what you want to see, that you are hearing what you want to hear, that you are projecting a reality that you want to be, and you're realizing that that's small and that's insufficient, then congratulations, you're in deconstruction if you've realized your box is too small if you've realized like me that you are claustrophobic spiritually that you're feeling closed in congratulations you're in a deconstruction if you've woken up to it this is probably my favorite one if you've just woken up to a desire for more i don't care who you are i don't care where you are Congratulations, you are in deconstruction. I just want to address all of you right now. If that's you, this is not a negative thing. This is a journey. It moves forward, not backwards. You can't go back. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. You can't. If you're listening to this and you're like, I wish I had never gotten here. I've got bad news for you. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. If it's out now, it's out. And the only way forward is forward. There is no old you. There is no present. There's only the new that's emerging. Thank you for being here. This is a safe place for you. And if you're listening and you're resonating with what John and I are saying right now, talk to us. Email us. We'll give you our freaking cell phone numbers. 
Like this is about people whose worlds are being blown apart and it's scary, but it's beautiful, right? I mean, how many people yeah. have, have you interacted with at this point that you're just like floored? Every day, man. Right? Like Facebook, email, uh, Twitter, Everything. Instagram. Um, we've gotten people from all over the country, people from other countries reaching out to us all with very different, unique stories that, you know, are just flooring. I mean, a couple times I know we've we've talked to each other on the phone about it and just were speechless for minutes. So it's unbelievable. One thing uh, I'd like to point out about Adam has a list here that I can see that you can't of five points. And it's, you know, like five different um, ways to recognize the deconstruction you're going through. And one thing that I think is interesting that I want you to talk about is one of them you know, I, I would say most of them are kind of self-realization, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you know, uh, whether you were like me where you just happen to have the, the right book fall into your lap <sighs> and it just kicked the door down. Some kind of rupturing. Yeah. Or like what? Or like other people that we've talked to who were just sitting in, in a pew in a church somewhere and something just, you know, some some button got pushed. Yeah, or, man. We all, we all know flipped. what that is. If you're listening to this, you know what that is. Yeah. Or or, or whatever the case may be. The, those are all kind of like moments that I would refer to as just kind of like moments of, uh, you know, self-awareness or, you Enlightenment, know. Enlightenment, clarity, awakening. Yeah. Illumination. But one of those on there is, is one that I think is important to address where it's like life just kind of drop kicked you. You know, like you, you call it the trauma. And I think that's really important because we've it's gotten a most, lot of It's those. the most important one. Yeah, and we've gotten a ton of people who, whether it was a life event like, you know, your marriage falling apart or your your parents getting divorced or a death in the family or some sort of just really heavy traumatic experience. Loss of a life. job, betrayal of a friend. Life just not going your way. No, and, and, and thank you. I'm glad that you created some space for this. If you found yourself, and the best way you could describe it is you got knocked unconscious. Mm. It was a betrayal. It was an affair. It was a lie. It was some kind of absolute fraud, some kind of lie, some kind of absolute trauma that the construct of their reality was built upon and had no choice but to fall down. And they're standing in the rubble, the, the embers are still smoldering, and they're going, what do I do next? Yeah. What do I do next? Yeah, I think, and I think we've, we've talked a good deal about how this is a natural part of the process. Yeah. Like, everyone goes through this at some degree, at some level. And, and, it's and gut-wrenching. Yeah, and if you haven't heard it already, go back to our episode number one, where we talk about what is deconstruction, but obviously we're going a little more depth here. Uh, specifically about the the reconstruction part, which we believe is is tied to this. It's it's a part of deconstruction. Absolutely. And and the two go hand in hand. And this process is continuous, right? Yeah. We would say it's ongoing. It's continuous. They're part. They're dance partners. Yeah. If you're moving forward, the new revelation is always more. The new revelation is always bigger. And the new revelation that is bigger and is more must in some ways crush and dismantle the old constructs that we have been living in. It has to. And so the reconstruction, which is actually the point, requires deconstruction. 
It requires it. It has to have it because if there's ever more, that means it's bigger. That means it weighs more. That means it has more glory, more heft, more reality, more gravity. When Isaiah is in the temple and he meets the glory of God, he literally says, I am coming undone. Another translation is, I am being deconstructed. I'm coming apart. Right. You don't have to call it deconstruction. No. That's why you can call it whatever you want. Call it whatever you want. Your your personal Ooh. journey. Enlightenment. Yeah. You don't have to take our term. We're stealing it for ourselves, but you can call it whatever you want. And like we're using it quasi responsibly, but like I think Derrida would actually appreciate the fact that we're using it the way we want to use it. Yeah, and I think I think the important thing is that Derrida, you know, talks about it as a way to um, take a critical look at your belief structure from the inside. And that's all we're saying. We're saying that it's it's not only important, but it's responsible yes. for you, no matter what your belief system are, no matter if you're Christian, non-Christian, or, or just, you know, you know, you follow some other religion or you're non-religious. It's, it's important, even, you know, Greg Boyd's fresh in my mind, I think, because we read him recently, but he talks about the fact that it's good for non-Christians and Christians alike to question their beliefs, Absolutely. to look at them critically. Yes, we all should. But it's it's also important not to live in a perpetual, you know, continuous state of doubt. Um, you know, you, you, you shouldn't commit to faith unthinkingly, though, either. That's all we're saying is we have to be responsible and you should, you should uh, you know, put thought into it. You should seek wisdom from your elders. Mm. You, should, you should go to people who have gone before you. Oh, John, yes, yes. How do you do that right now? I think for me, it... it the first step was realizing that there were others, many others, long before me, who, who, who already braved that trail. Dude. You know? Like, I'm not the only one out there floating on an island. Right. I'm not the first one to come up with this question. Mm. And, and so... I remember when oh. you started to kind of realize that. Yeah. Because like, I kind of knew you. Mm-hmm. And I remember you th- being like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, and... The amount of books, the amount of people who aren't even alive anymore. Right. You know, what you mean to tell me that there's some dude a thousand years ago who already thought about all these, you know, questions and already wrestled with all this long before I was even a thought? It's one of the most comforting things in the world. I think of a C.S. Lewis quote that friendship begins as it did for you and I Mm -hmm. when you realize you too. No kidding. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. That's when friendship begins. And, you know, if there's any small, stupid, sappy desire that we have for this space, this podcast, is that whether it's through the internet, which sucks, but it's also beautiful at the same time, that new friendships would be birthed. Yeah. That if you're in a community, like some of the emails that we've gotten where people are like, I don't know what to do. And we've been like, just talk about it. Yeah. And then we get the email back. Hey. I took your advice, I opened up, I talked about it, and now I've got a community around me in the space that I was already in that I didn't even know was there that was feeling the same way that I was feeling. Somebody's got to have the courage to come out and say, I don't know about that. I guarantee you there are others around you that have those same doubts and those same thoughts and if not, if there's truly no one that you can find in then your you move immediate on. community, use our forum. Yeah. Deconstructionist Anonymous. Wow, we're both having problems. I today. know, man. It it's is. Just, it, 
10 percent. we've been doing body. a lot of listening on the podcast and not as much talking but yeah it's yeah we gotta loosen up those lips man do <laughs> seriously those, do those exercises <laughs> my, my unique vocal new york unique new york <laughs> unique new york <laughs> i love it i'm gonna start doing that before how now brown cow <laughs> that's the one i always think of how now brown cow <laughs> i love scotch anyway she's scotch scotch <laughs> uh but uh I don't even know what I was saying now. <laughs> well, just, I mean, if, if you're really stuck in a community and oh, you open yeah, yeah. up. Deconstructionist Anonymous. Yeah, you need somebody that's actually in your community. And so my, my whole point, like, uh, about this is just, you know, re, you know if, if, if you live in Chicago or if you live in Denver or something, and, uh, you know, it, get on any of our social media. Say, mm-hmm. look, man, I, I live in this area. I'm really looking for like-minded individuals that I can get together with. I don't have a community. I guarantee you there's we'll someone else something out there. Out. We'll, yeah. put, we'll put something on Facebook. We'll connect you guys yeah. together. We will figure it out. But community is crucially important. We all make a difference how we break. We all make a difference how we All right, so this is all well and good, and I think we're making some progress here. But at the same time, so many people listening to this are starting to feel skeptical. They're starting to, to identify somebody who's deconstructing. And the question, John, is what now? Where do we go from here? Like, when things start to come apart, when things start to fall apart, I guess the the logical question is, is there any end to it? Or is have I entered into something that's going to fall apart forever? Yeah, and I think, I think that is kind of the common misconception, right? Is that we get caught in this cycle of just never-ending suspicion and doubt, and we're constantly looking at everything, not just religion, politics, you know, the whole whole gamut where we're just kind of looking at everything with this critical eye mm. and, and just being these types of people who are just non-committal to everything. Right. Um, and that's that's not what we're saying. And the point is that reconstruction, because I think a lot of people who are kind of like a little hazy on the whole deconstruction thing sure, are like, well, wh- what about reconstruction? Is always just breaking things down. Well, Caputo would argue, and a lot of philosophers, theological philosophers, um, if you will, would would argue that reconstruction is built into deconstruction. Mm, what do you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that that yes, you you are taking a critical look from the inside of whatever that system happens to be, whether it's politics or religion or whatever whatever right. that system is. Right. You're taking a critical look from the inside, but for everyone, it's going to look a little different. Everyone's journey, you know, starts from a different place. Mm-hmm. Everybody's journey is a little bit differently. You were raised fundamentalist. I was raised you know, more evangelical, right? Right, right, right. So, so your deconstruction, your journey looks vastly different from mine. Absolutely. You know, you would probably say just within the conversation between the two of us that you had to tear a little bit more down than I did, mm. right? You had to go, you had to take a few more things out than maybe I did. The important thing to note is that, A, everybody's deconstruction type journey looks a little different. Yeah. And um, the other thing to note too is that it is okay to to find Mm. right so it's very cool and it's very hip and it's very um (laughs) you know millennial i guess 
for lack of a better word, to uh, to always be finding like um you know we we kind of made fun of this and made light of this earlier, but um, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, you know. Right, and right, right. Just walking through life, never committing to anything, right? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah, like, right, cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm, you know, just not committing to either side. You know, right. so you can't be you can't be wrong, right, Adam? If you never commit to anything, because you've never actually said anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just what we're saying is like, look, it's totally okay to find if you find something to replace maybe something that you had within your spiritual. Uh, structure mm. earlier in life that that just works better for you now, then that's great. Sure, you know it's it's good to commit to things, uh, but you should not commit to faith unthinkingly, though. And I mm. think I mentioned this earlier, um, but it's not to say that once you've committed that every once in a while you shouldn't, from time to time, re-examine those beliefs because we need to always, you know, kind of hold it with an open hand mm-hmm. and say, you know what. We could be wrong about this as well. Sure, and that's okay because again, once you know uh, the quote that I that I mentioned earlier, the only way we're ever going to know for sure, for certain, absolute certainty, mm-hmm. is when we're dead. Dude, that's <laughs> so true. So hopefully, hopefully, I wrap that up a little bit, right? Yeah. Actually, you know what? This is a great time for you to to bring up this point. We we talked about this earlier because um, you're in a unique position, right? So you're on a pastoral staff, right, at the church I happen to attend, right. And if you feel comfortable talking about this, sure. Um, how did that affect you from that perspective? Because that's a very unique place to be. Yeah. For me, I identify much more with the rupturing. I identify much, much more with it was too small. And I'm starting to feel like I'm living in a tiny house and I've outgrown it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, like this, you know, spiritual claustrophobia, as I've said from the beginning. And it is a little bit different. And to, to my to my role as as pastor, as you know, this title that I have, this thing that I have, it has become profoundly awkward in a lot of regards. Ooh, explain that one. Because going into a system and going into the church where I was always looked at as someone who was supposed to have answers or to point in a direction is now pointing to a cloud of impossible, to pointing to a cloud of unknowing, pointing to uh, a mystery and being completely fine with that, where I'm a lot of times in um, a group of people that need certainty. They need it. They need an answer. They need to know that this is the way it is. And I'm not prepared to talk about that anymore and it feels very very strange and a lot of times I feel like an outsider I I go into a system where people think they know who God is and they think they understand what the divine is and they think they understand what the journey is and where it goes next and how it's plotted and how it's delineated and I don't yeah, just being honest. Sometimes it's hard. It's hard. So if you're listening to this, one of the things you'll realize is if you've been thrown into deconstruction by a trauma or a truth or something that's happened that's ruptured, you're going to walk into your community, your tribe, your people and you're going to feel out of place. And the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to start to feel elitist. You're going to start to feel superior. You're going to start to feel arrogant. 
you're going to start to feel prideful. Watch that. Keep an eye on that. Yeah. Because we shouldn't, we wouldn't have wanted somebody to do that to us before we were ready. It's not your decision when that happens to who it happens to. You may have heard the same truth or suffered similar traumas over and over and over again, and they didn't cause the rupture that they finally did at that moment when you realized it and you said, where am I? Who am I? What is this? Where is this going? What's next? I don't know anymore. What the heck? That was your moment. It was your moment. It was nobody else's moment. It was your moment. It's your journey. And so the thing that I've realized as a pastor is, you know, marching into this place, I've had to change what I think my role is, but I've had to guard my heart against pride. I've had to guard my heart against feeling like I've arrived or something like that and nobody else has. That's completely ridiculous. That's completely ridiculous. It's childish. It's immature. It's competitive. It's dualistic. And I reject it. But here's the thing. I have to reject it not just once. I've got to reject it every day, multiple times a day. I realize that that is now a part of my deconstructive journeys, this rejecting of a pride and an arrogance that comes with the fact that I think I'm in a different place now and I see things differently. I see the divine differently. I see truth differently. I see the journey differently. I see the scriptures differently. I see Jesus differently. I see philosophy differently, science differently. I see everything differently now. And I'm thrilled by that. Yeah. But I can't put that on anybody else. I don't get to do that. No, I think I think Roar talks about that. Uh, for those of you, I mean, <laughs> who haven't heard one of us quote Roar uh, multiple times, in at least an episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he talks. I cannot. I, I can. The book that I keep referring to that that for me just broke the floodgates wide open is Falling Upward by Richard Roar. I just think that you know, for somebody who's starting to go through kind of that journey, it's just a really great guidebook if mm. there can be such a thing. Absolutely. But what he talks about is he talks about you cannot force your own spiritual transformation. No. If we seek spiritual heroism ourselves, the old ego is just back in control under a new name. Absolutely. There would not be any real change at all. Nope. But only disguise, just bogus self-improvement on our own terms. So likewise, if we attempt to force others into the second half journey, it can be met with resistance. So yep. we all know what that's like. Ah, and don't do it. Guys, some of you are out there trying to do it right now. It's to your spouse or to your brother or to your sister or to your friend or to your whoever. And you know what? If you're meeting tons of resistance, stop, 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 yeah. stop, 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 <laughs> stop. You can't do that. You know, I think is great. Uh, you know, if we just look at the Bible in general, there uh, sure there are plenty of stories within the Bible that talk about like these these wonderful victorious moments. But more often than not, the one thing that 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 is easy to notice if you really start paying attention for it is that the gospel really teaches that the very act of doing it wrong is the way we often grow spiritually. Mm. It's just a giant book of people screwing up. Totally. Like what other book out there just revels in just getting it wrong right absolutely you know 
it's just the it's the most uh, humbling uh, book. I mean, we talked about that when we did our scripture series. Yeah, where you know the the, the Bible made no effort. The authors of the Bible made no effort or no attempt whatsoever to take the embarrassing moments out. No, of No, they book. didn't sterilize anything Mm-mm. from 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 the first books onward. Right, they never sterilized anything. In fact. The interesting thing and in, in the telling thing about the character of, of the Christ, of Jesus, is that the biblical authors actually took great pains to smear every character from the beginning of the scriptures all the way up until Christ. And then they smeared every character after Christ yeah. to almost point to this like need that we all have, yeah, that we can't... like manage that there's some gift aspect to all this so what what's the moral of that do you think the fact that that was very intentional right to leave all of those examples of failure right in the bible i it's almost like it, do you think that god's telling us that it's okay like you're gonna screw up it's part of this it's part of the plan if that's not true then i literally don't know anything anymore <laughs> I don't. I don't. <laughs> I mean, if that's the one resounding truth from the very, very beginning, yeah. that nothing is deserved, everything is gift. Yeah. We didn't deserve to get created. We didn't deserve purpose. We didn't deserve consciousness. We didn't deserve existence. We didn't deserve love. There's nothing that's deserved. We certainly didn't deserve Jenny's ice cream, but we have it. <sighs> Salty caramel. So good. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. If you're not from Columbus, Ohio, or, well, they're in a few other places now, right? We didn't deserve beautiful Trappist ales. That's true. Aged in for long periods of some time. Some sort of barrels. Before we consume them <laughs> with frequency. Indeed. I'm, I'm I mean, pretty sure we're so, keeping it in stock. <laughs> there's so many gifts. I mean, you know, as Meister Eckhart would say, love is without why. Mm. Meaning there's no point. Yeah. Why Why says there's reason for it? And if there's one thing that Scripture tells us over and over again, and not just in the Christian t- tradition, but in many of the traditions, that true divinity is gift. It cannot be deserved. I love it. I look up to the sky and I see The us that rest me like a So do we want to talk do we want to wrap this up with the hero's journey a little bit or I think so. Okay. So this is something we've we've kind of touched on. Um, Doctor Alexander Shia, our good buddy, has mm. has talked about this on on. Uh, I think he's touched on both the episodes. We love you, Alexander. Oh man, Th- that guy! If you haven't listened to those episodes, <sighs> episodes, plural, episodes, go back and listen to both of them. Yeah, and if are they both out at this point? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> You guys have no idea. Adam and I just sat down with a calendar that was color-coded the other day. Curating this thing has been painful. We just want to release them all right now. Yeah. 
And for those of you guys waiting for some strong, powerful lady voices... Oh, they're coming. You guys are going to love this summer. We did like a summer of women. We did, man. I mean, just a beautiful summer of ladies. And then spanning the gamut, too. We've got scientists. We've got theologians. We've got philosophers. Oh, man. You guys are going to love it. It's so good. You asked, and you have received. (laughs) You have received. So the hero's journey, um, depending on where you go, Joseph Campbell... Sweet Joey Cams. Joey Cams. Pete Holmes would say. Joey Cams. Man, that guy. Like, philosopher extraordinaire. Um, Depending on where you go, they break it down into anywhere between, I think, four uh, points of the journey and, like, 11, I think. Mm. So, for the sake of simplification, I went with four. So the four was the right move. The four steps. And the one that we're going to talk about, I think. um, And hang on, real quick. So, before we get into the four. Why? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Yes. So the hero's journey is something that um, whether you know it or not, you have witnessed the hero's journey in pop culture, Mm. um, in mythology, um, you know, so ancient Greek myths. All narrative. Like, would you say it's universal? Absolutely universal. Like, as close to universal as we can prove. It transcends culture. It transcends time. Um, the hero's journey, uh, Joseph Campbell would argue, shows up time and time again since the beginning of time, since the beginning of you know of of people. Yeah. Um, Without and, like collaboration, there's not like yeah. a council of the, the hero's journey that started convening when the when the world started. I mean, this is just something that's like this massive coincidence that somebody finally was just like, yeah, hey, oh, wait a second, wait. <laughs> This <laughs> this inherently shows up everywhere. Wait a minute, Native American, you everywhere. Know. Yeah, all right, so, give it to him. So this is really interesting, and this is something that you know. Once you start looking into um, old mythology, you know, from any culture, you're going to see this pop up. So the yeah. hero's journey. Essentially, we can boil it down to four points. Uh, the first stage is what they call the separation slash departure stage. So essentially, there is the hero uh, who lives in in a land who is called to some sort of adventure. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, the hero always, there's what what they call the refusal of the call. So the hero is like, no, I'm not going. And then eventually, you know, he's kind of pushed into it uh, some way or another. Uh, so acceptance of the call. So again, w- we would kind of liken this to kind of a deconstruction type journey, right? So some of us go willingly, some of us go unwillingly. But essentially, we go. We're going to go on some sort of journey, right? Absolutely. So that's stage one. So eventually, the hero is kind of pushed out of his comfortable homeland, where he doesn't want to, doesn't necessarily want to leave. You know, you can call that your inherited uh, spirituality, yes, your your religion, your lack of religion, you know, belief, right. whatever that the case is. Yes. So number two um, is what they call supreme ordeal slash initiation. So basically, at this point, the hero joins up with some sort of mentor or helper and generally faces tests or obstacles along the way. Hmm. Sound familiar, anyone? (laughs) But generally, they're going to face tests or obstacles. Can you think of any tests or obstacles that you have faced along the way? Now, the importance of these tests and obstacles will become apparent later in the journey, right? So obviously, later on, the hero, as he's going through, he or she is going through these these tests or obstacles and learning from some, you know, sage, um, elder of some kind. Right. Is, is they're learning things. They're learning lessons. They are evolving. They're growing as a person. Mm. 
So that leads into step three, unification or transformation. So man, here we here we go. <laughs> here we go. Would would you say this is the like quote reconstruction? Yeah. I would. I would. Amazing. So the approach, you know, where they prepare for the main test. So there's always the, this final test or this final battle or whatever the case may be. Um, so if you look at like Greek mythology, there's always this this final beast or, you know, yes. sea monster or yes. something that they I have mean, to... Even in like the New Testament, Revelation, there's the yes. dragon, right? Oh, good one. Hey, bring it full I didn't circle. Go to son. Seminary for nothing. <laughs> you just paid for that degree. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so the hero at this stage goes undergoes the or- ordeal, um, which yeah. often wounds them or nearly kills them. Right now, this can be an actual real physical wounding. So in you know Greek mythology, you know someone may, you know maybe they got stabbed or or right 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 wounded, wounded crucified perhaps or crucified. Hmm. So it could be a physical wounding uh, or or near death, or it could be a, a spiritual or emotional wounding, right? Yes. doesn't have to be physical. And then at the end of this, the hero receives some sort of award for surviving the, the ordeal. Now, that could be a physical award, or this just could be some grand lesson or takeaway that they have from this entire ordeal. Yes. The important thing, the most important part of this is the fourth part. Mm. the road back or the hero's return. Yeah. So the important thing is that the hero is often tested one last time prior to returning home. Yep. Because the, the whole thing is to bring this this puppy full circle, right? Right. So they got to come back home again. So when they return home, they return with their award, quote fingers, uh, but, they, but they return changed and for the betterment of those around him or her. Hmm. That's the key. It almost sounds like the 12-step program in Alcoholics Anonymous, Odd, interestingly enough. <laughs> you know the thing I love about that that ends with, I think a perfect place to end this episode, mm-hmm. is so many people that are going through a deconstruction, reconstruction, are looking for something. Right. And here's what I want to say to you. If you're looking for something, chances are that means you're looking for something familiar. Right. I would caution you against that because as the hero's journey points out, I think as the new Testament points out as this new creation, this born againness, this, the wisdom of the philosophers, the transformation, call it the metanoia, call it whatever you want. I would say that we must remember as we journey forward that the new won't look like the old. And I think that fits perfectly with um, with what we're talking about with the hero's journey. It's just that, look, if you really want to break it down, ultimately it's about kicking you out of your comfort zone, mm. right? So you're getting kicked out of your comfort zone, whether Absolutely. you like it or not. Like you can build all the the you know quote Christian picket fences around your reality or that whatever. bubble, yeah. But ultimately, you know the 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 whole idea behind Christianity anyway is that Jesus wants to pull you dragging and kicking out of your comfort zone mm. and he wants you to te- to teach you something so if we look at the, the steps again you know it's about listening to your elders uh seeking those who have gone before you right learning something from this ordeal there will be suffering there will be pain that mm. is part of life you can't it's unavoidable but ultimately when you come back home mm. quote like as adam said it's going to be different mm. And that 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 award, that gift, or as uh, Shia calls it, the boon mm. that you bring home, it's more than just for you. It's for the people around you. 
That's right. That gift isn't for you to keep. It's for you to share that with for the betterment of those around you. Absolutely. That's all I got. <laughs> I think I think in closing, for those of you that have decided to connect with us, identify with us, stay with us, we don't know where this is going. We don't claim to. This isn't this isn't a plan that we've got in place that we are trying to lead somebody to some promised land. Um, we'd be hacks if that was true. Yeah. We'd be snake oil salesmen. I mean, it'd be completely false. Should I take the prayer towels down off our website? <laughs> <then>? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not the one that you got signed by you-know-who. Old you know. pearly whites. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've decided to roll with us in this thing, just know that we're entering into this cloud of the impossible, this cloud of unknowing together. And that is what we find beautiful. And that is why we need community. Hmm. And that is what we call deconstruction and reconstruction. Yeah. And with that, we invite you to tune in next time. Who knows <laughs> <laughs> what might unfold. Gosh, this just got serious. Guys, <laughs> we can't even tell you. We literally looked at each other the other day and we're like, so we can't really reach out to any more interview guests because we literally don't have any more slots to put them in. Yeah, we, we're totally screwed on that. <laughs> I mean, this just went absolutely ballistic. If you're listening, um, you're a part of this. We thank you. You have helped form this show. If you have sent one message, one encouraging word, one critique, one donation, one mm -hmm. anything, if you've decided to connect, thank you. And if we didn't get back to you, and we try to get back to everyone, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Please email us again. Yes, <clears throat> we will. We 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 make a really really like genuine effort to get back to everybody. We love you guys. Thank you guys so much. We really love every one of you guys out there. So absolutely. And for now, we are your hosts. I am Adam Narlock, and I am John Williamson. Until next time, everyone.
mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.